0: Are you there, Ted? I don't think we're on, are we? Okay, good. Well, let's uh, just think about that—that that Jesus came to taste our sadness. That song we just we just sang—it was a very I, I found that a very touching. I don't think we've sung that verse before, Wally. You must have found that somewhere else. But uh, yeah, very good, Wally. Uh, the uh, the idea that we, without him, we are really sad. We are hopeless. And that Jesus came to taste that, but to deliver us from that and bring us hope. Father, we thank you for this morning, for this uh, time together, and we pray that your message of love, hope, and faith, and the joy that we have in you, the uh, glory to look forward to, that we might experience some of that this morning and we might take our... Uh, uh, thoughts from your word and apply them to our hearts. May they change us as people and may they bring us hope in the world around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in the, I think, 25th week of the Believe messages, and this one, as we've been descri- uh, alluding to, speaks of hope. The um, main idea of this week's message uh, on, in the book is, I can cope with the hardships of life because of the hope I have in Jesus Christ. Excuse me. It's that bicycle ride this morning, still making my nose run. So, What are your plans for tomorrow? Some of you might be going to work. Jim, there's your tools all ready to go. Uh, Some of you are going to clean the house. I I don't know, that's a project for our house, I I hear. So there's something for us to do. Or just uh, go to work, uh, do your routine thing. Maybe you're going to meet some friends, uh, uh, spend some time with some family, whatever your plans are tomorrow. Why do you make plans? Well, I think because we hope that they will happen, right? That we hope that they will come to pass. That we have our, our plans made because we hope to accomplish something, or to improve our life, or to maybe make a difference in someone else. If we're expecting a difficult day, we may hope that it goes well. Hope is part of our day-to-day lives. We really can't manage without this anticipation of what's to come. I uh, have a, a bit of a Canadian humor to, to play for you right now. It's a Rick Mercer report, so I hope you don't mind. But it's, 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 it sort of experiences or gives us the experience of what a typical Canadian hope might look like. So Ted, if you've got your button ready, I'll see if this will play here. Didn't work. I'm not shoveling oh, no sound, Ted. I'm not going. Let's just call that weird kid. I called him. The kid says he's had it. Maybe I'll just go back, Ted, just so we don't miss that. Got it up a little bit louder. Thanks. I'm not shoveling again. I can't go out there. I'm not going. Let's just call that weird kid. I called him. The kid says he's had it. The whole five-day forecast is freezing. What about day six? It's freezing. What about day seven? Rob, what is it? Plus one. Plus one. Mm. You waited so long for something like this. At Environment Canada, you'll frequently see a plus one somewhere near the end of our seven-day forecast. We put that there to keep you from going to dark places mentally and possibly destroying property. What are you going to do when it's plus one? I might get the ice pick and chisel open the back gate. Mm. You? Maybe I'll buy toothpaste and soap. Personal hygiene. I forgot about oh. that. We don't know if it'll really be plus one. Seven-day forecasting is kind of a sham anyway. Anything past day five is just throwing darts. So I might as well give you all a reason to hang on. Well, Thursday's not plus one anymore. Mine is 15. What about Friday. Plus one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to wax the car. <laughs> Environment Canada. Cloudy with a chance of making stuff up. Well, I think you can appreciate with Rick there the, uh, the importance of having some hope in our lives, that uh, we depend on that to, to get through those difficult and stormy times. Hope is an essential part of our uh, day-to-day lives. We might hope for a good day, we might hope for safe travels, a nice weekend ahead, for our health, that we won't get a cold, that we would have a good vacation, that we would be able to spend time with our family, successful in our jobs, and that the Maple Leafs might win a Stanley Cup. You know, (laughs) that's a funny one, eh? Sorry, that's really making stuff up now. (laughs) But these hopes give us something to look forward to, and we'll probably um, we probably have thought of that many times throughout the past week of the and if we haven't used the word then we've then we've thought of it, i'm sure, uh, at least in our thoughts. Hope is critically important for the tough times in our life. this wasn't really too tough, but it 's the only picture I really found where where someone suffered an accident or illness. And uh, when those times come, we can be really discouraged and depressed and downcast. If it's a problem like this or conflict with people, maybe even your close relatives, your, your family, your friends. When you're oppressed, and when people are opposing you, when you might have. I'm on tough times like a job loss or being unemployed we need to look something to look forward to for relief from the pain and suffering and an end to whatever is causing that trial we we can't really live in a hopeless state just a, a an example from the book of acts the apostle paul was on his way to rome in prison uh, he was a prisoner, if that wasn't bad enough, he was on his ship and he told them not to sail, but they sailed anyway. They got into a big storm and the ship was, uh, was floundering. The storm went on and on and the sailors and everyone on the ship gave up hope. Acts 27.20 says, When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope. Of being saved. They were in a hopeless state. But at that particular time, God sent a messenger to Paul, uh, an angel, and said, there is hope. You're going to be saved. You're going to make it through this storm. This ship is going to be lost, but all the people on here will be saved. And Paul relayed that message to the sailors and to the uh, uh, jailers, and they Again, God hope. they were able to eat food which they had given up on. They were able to prepare for the uh, arrival at land by preparing various things and sea anchors and such not. And they stayed together as Paul instructed and they were all saved. The ship was wrecked, but they were all saved. So in the middle of their hopelessness, interjected there by God's messenger, was, was hope. Perhaps one of the most tra- challenging and trying stories of the Bible is the story of Job where this man who had it all, lost it all. He lost his wealth, he lost his family, he lost his health. And at, the, at the, that point in his life, if Job had been a Canadian today, he would have gone to his doctor and asked if he could, someone could help him die. As a matter of fact, he went to God and asked God if he would help him die, he said, "Oh, that I, might, that I may request that God would grant me what I hope for, that God would be willing to crush me and let me loose, lose his hand and, to let loose His hand and cut me off." Then I would still have this consolation, my joy and unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? It's amazing that he reached that point where he was asking God, just do me in, take me now, before I really blaspheme your name. And that was his request. And he had not much hope, but apparently throughout his ordeal, he was able to, to recover some of that hope. And in reading in Job 19:25 25-27, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So he had enough hope to endure the trial. Somehow God had uh, given him enough to get through. We've heard um, stories in our lifetime about Uh, people who have suffered and gotten through terrible trials. I don't know if any of you have read the book or saw the movie Unbroken about uh, Louis Zamperini. Uh, Tremendous story. If you haven't read that book, it's uh, well worth it. But these men were marooned in a raft because their airplane crashed in the Pacific Ocean. They spent 47 days on a raft with very little provision they had to drink rainwater when possible, and catch a fish occasionally. One of the three on the raft did perish. Two of them survived 47 days, days—that was—then they traveled over 2,000 miles floating on a raft like that in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And what got them through that? They had a hope that they would see their family again. And not only then, the story just gets unbearable at this point, how they were rescued. They were rescued by a Japanese ship and imprisoned in a Japanese camp and suffered horribly again for years and and still made it through that. Later, Louis Zamperini came to Christ and uh, it was a tremendous story of conversion, but making it through this very difficult time, they had the hope of seeing their family again. One of the survivors of of the Holocaust um, said this, and if there is only a spark left in you, then you have to cling on to it. A person can survive a few days without eating, but he can't survive without hope for more than a minute. And these are people that (coughs) just suffered tremendously. And yet they had some spark of hope (coughs) within them to keep them going. I was thinking about uh, our recent uh, uh, news stories coming from our near neighbors in Attawapiskat and other Aboriginal communities. And how their suicide rate is tremendously high and attempted suicides are frequent. And uh, thinking about what it is that uh, makes these young people mostly uh, try to take their lives or succeed in taking their lives. And uh, I was reading one paper on Aboriginal suicide written uh, a number of years ago uh, for the uh, uh, Ottawa government. But in that paper, it states that hopelessness may be more directly related to suicidality than, than even depression. And when you measure the hopelessness score, which psychiatrists and psychologists uh, do have scores and tables for that, they, they can relate hopelessness to suicide m- much more than de- just depression. It was interesting that as I listened to the news uh, about this uh, problem last week in, uh, in James Bay, that both Charlie Angus, our local MP, and, and the Ministry of Health, Jane Philpott, who is a Christian lady who was a missionary in Africa, they both spoke about the hopelessness that these people face. Now, the, one of their answers was to send more money. I, I kind of think that's not going to provide the hope that they need. It may help, but it won't be the answer to hope in, the, in these people's lives. And it gives us... Some idea of how, or give me a pause to think, how could we uh, inject hope into these, these young lives? What do we need to do? What should we be doing? I know that our youth went to uh, the uh, north to minister to those people and uh, some of them, and, uh, and I'm sure that was a good injection of hope. But maybe something like that needs to be done and we uh, consider that. Hope, what is it? Now, it's both a noun and a verb. That always confuses me when when I get into these grammatical problems because I'm not a very good English uh, student. But it's a desire for something good to happen or to be true. Like, I hope the sun will shine and I hope that they... So, it's uh, also something that... um the thing that we want to happen. So it's both the noun when we we're hopeful and, uh, and when we want the thing that we want to happen. But what is this uh, Christian hope? What is the, the, the idea that we have when we speak about hope from a Christian perspective? There are, I would say, there are two types of hope. Uh, we, the book that we have when we're reading the Belief Series talks about false hope and true hope. I'm not so sure that what I've been talking about is really false hope when we talk about plus one and the weather. It's sort of, well it is if Environment Canada is making it up, but but that, that would be deceptive. But uh, when we hope for a nice day or a good visit or a safe journey, we have uncertain hope, I would say. It's something that we hope, use that word, will likely happen, and there's a good chance that it will, but we aren't really depending on it to happen. Like if we say, will our plane be on time? Well, you know, you kind of make your plans for your plane to be on time, but if it doesn't happen, well, you make alternate plans. You don't put your complete trust in a plane being on time. If we do trust in these things completely and and set our trust in them, like our riches or our wealth or our people, then we're going to be let down. But I would, I would say, rather than call them false hopes, I call them uncertain hopes. Whereas the Christian message is a message of certain hope. So what is this certain hope that we have as Christians? First Peter 1, 3-5, the first verse is in the New International Version. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the message, we just uh, a little different wording of that idea. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life and have everything to live for Including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I put that second part, second uh, translation in there because of the idea that it, it really does bring out the idea that we have a future that's set and certain, but it starts now, this new life that we have. We can have this hope now, and it's sealed for the future. God has planned on giving us brand new life and life everlasting and a future in heaven. And that's the certain hope that we have as Christians that is not this uncertain, I hope that I will be all right, or I hope it'll turn out okay. We have a certainty because, A, we have God who's giving us this promise. The, The future is that Jesus is going to come back and we have that hope to look forward to and hope to be with him at that time and to be reunited with all those who are his people. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Think about that. We were talking about that earlier. The rest of men. We have really no hope. If if it wasn't for Christ... What would we have to look forward to in this world except the end of our lives? We would have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is the difference between a Christian funeral and one where the Funeral does not involve anyone who believes in Christ. Uh, It makes such a difference at that point in our lives when we look to the end of our lives and think that's not the end and that we have a hope of being reunited with those people again, that they have a living uh, life that goes on even after they die. And it brings a tremendous amount of comfort and relief and hope to a funeral when there is that knowledge in Christ The key verse for our talk this morning in the book is this one in Hebrews. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. The picture there is the picture of Herod's uh, swimming pool in Caesarea on the coast of Israel. He built a great harbor there that... uh, uh, would would um, dock many ships to get into that harbor they had to transverse a narrow passage, and I believe this verse is alluding to the fact that one of the ways that ships would dock would they would take the anchor from the ship and attach it to a long line and row it out with a smaller boat, a forerunner or something that went before the ship and take it into the harbor and anchor it there, and then the sailors would pull or Turn the stand or whatever they did to pull the ship in. But once that anchor was set in the harbor, the ship was there, even though it wasn't really there yet. But the anchor was set and they were secure. And Jesus has gone ahead. He has set the anchor for us in heaven and in God's presence. And He will, we have in Him the security that He is there before us and that. He, our, our future is set. we are secure, we will be brought to heaven. Jesus is the one who has secured our hope. So when we think about these sort of uh, these verses, it was um, God who says this, it's because of God uh, wanted to make his unchanging nature of his purposes very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. And then he goes on, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It's the promises of God that make it secure and certain. And it's like the difference between the one who controls the weather and the ones who forecast it. The one who controls the weather has the promises and the security, but if we, if we listen to just the forecasters, well, we're going to be disappointed sometimes. There is a, another uh, uh, idea of hope. This is that the, there is something to look forward to, something we expect to happen, something in the future, but it also there's the idea that, there's the, that it's something that's true. And I, I would like to just think about that for just a minute. I I think this is true, like we have this hope that I hope someone loves me. And I'm thinking of the, the people in Attawapiskat, and maybe that's one of their states of hopelessness. Maybe they don't have anyone that cares about them. Maybe you feel that way sometimes, that there's nobody who cares, and there's no one who really cares for you or loves you. But this is a certainty in the Christian faith as well, that there certainly is a truth that someone loves us. And that someone is God himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. The idea that God loves us and no matter what we do is he still continues to love us. So that's a, a truth that we can grasp, that we can get hope from, that we can receive hope from. Paul says in Romans 8 and 38-39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us and we can put our hope in that love. And nothing we can do will make him love us less. It's just a tremendous uh, aspect of hope. One more thing that uh, I would like to just touch on too is the going back to the hope is a verb idea. Um, it's something that we need to be doing as well. We need, to, we need to hope. We need to have hope, but we need to hope. The famous uh, verses in the end of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians on the chapter of love also mention those three virtues, faith, hope, and love. And here's the message again about uh, the idea of hope as a verb. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us forward, lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of these three is love. This is one aspect of hope that I hadn't really thought of before I read it in this version, that we are to hope unswervingly. And why is that important? I think the world needs hope. We are to be a, a beacon of hope for the world. I sometimes get discouraged by people's behavior. Some people, they just seem to act wrong and and you can't really ever seem to get them to to change. And people have said, well, there's no hope for him. He'll never change. Let's just go our separate ways. Let's separate from that person and give up, basically, on them. But that's not what God did for us. He didn't give up on us. And I have to have hope that there's a potential for change in that person's life and that somehow that message needs to get to that person and if they would just accept the Lord, that if they would take his message of love and forgiveness, that they might change, that they might become a new creation. And so we can't give up on people even though we really can't stand being with them sometimes. But we have to find ways to to bring that message of hope to these, those lives. In that sense, we need to hope unswervingly that this world that seems to be literally going to hell will have some degree of hope in it, that we are beacons of hope in, in our Lord, that our, our hope in Him might be transmitted to the world around us, that they might see it through us. And that way we have to hope unswervingly We have an, uh, and a great example in, in our Lord and Savior of how to, he went through difficult times, through challenges, and brought that message of hope to us and to the world. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. He never lost sight of where he was headed. And that's the certainty of the hope that we have in Christ, that we are headed to be with him. And if we don't lose sight of that, if we keep our eyes on him, we will experience that hope in our greater way in our lives. It's easy for us to take our eyes off Christ and to feel that despair set in, that we might not be able to do it. There was a, the, the picture of these runners here is a, of um, Roger Bannister, the first fellow who broke the four-minute mile barrier, and the second guy that broke the barrier, John Landry. Now, in the 1950s, this is when these men were running, They had a race in Vancouver uh, the Commonwealth Games. John Landry was Australian and John Bannister was British, but they raced in Vancouver and it was a tremendously inspiring race to watch apparently. They were right at it the whole way around the track for the whole mile. John Landry was leading and he thought, I'd better just check to see where Roger Bannister is. So this Picture here shows John Landry taking a look over his left shoulder, but Roger Bannister was on the right, passing him right at that moment. And it was just sort of the idea that he took his eyes off the finish and then he stumbled a little bit, and Bannister finished first. But it's not, not to say that that doesn't happen to us, but that's how critical it is to keep our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the source of our hope and who is the one who is the example of how to go through tough times because of the joy that was set before him, the hope that he had in um, his father. Let's just bow in prayer at this time. Thank you, for, Lord, for the message that you've given us, for the certainty of the hope we have in you, that we can uh, look forward to being with you, to being with others who love you. We look forward to that joy and that hope. We Do know that uh, in this world there's a hopelessness that pervades some of the people that we know and that we rub shoulders with. and Indeed, anybody who doesn't know you will ultimately not have any hope. Help us to live for you in a way that brings hope to these people, hope to the world, and that our hope in you might uh, shine through. Thank you for this time together and for all that you've done through us and with us. And help us through this week To come, in Jesus' name, amen.